Hello, I'm Billy Buttery, and this is Food is Culture, a podcast. Today's guest is an amazing woman, a powerhouse of an entrepreneur. In a very spiritual way, she has grown a beautiful online community. She is a plant-based life and business coach and runs a wonderful program to help reset eating patterns. Natalie Colio is Toronto-born from Italian, Lebanese, and Syrian heritage. Growing up loving food and desserts, her food journey has some twists. I want to issue somewhat of a trigger warning. This episode is about diet culture. I think this conversation is so important. I think having a show about food and culture and not talking about diet culture would be a disservice to the conversation as a whole. We talk about eating intentionally, indulging mindfully, the dangers of diet culture, and making healthier, sustainable choices. I hope you'll enjoy my chat. And if, like me, the one-year anniversary of eating primarily at home has you rethinking the way you eat, I know you'll get something out of this episode. Cheers. Hi, Natalie. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, Billy. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I think this is just going to be such a good chat. (laughs) I think so too. I'm excited to share. Okay. So I want to jump right in with asking you the same question I ask all of my guests. What is your cultural background? My cultural background. So my, is it my ethnicity that you're asking? Uh, Yeah. How you define your cultural background. For sure. So, um, well, I was born and raised here in uh, Toronto, in the suburbs, actually. But uh, my father was Italian and my mother is Middle Eastern, so Lebanese and Syrian. So I'm quite the mix. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And did you grow up um, eating all different foods from all over? So Italy and Syria? For sure. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting. Like when my mother married my father, she kind of... um, was adopted into the Italian culture. Uh, It was definitely the more dominant culture growing up. But, uh, you know, mom was great at, still is really great at making dishes from all different types. So she learned how to cook from my grandmother and would make like these amazing Italian Italian dishes, but then she also had her own mother's influence um, and created like these amazing Middle Eastern feasts. So yeah, it was it was the best of all worlds for sure. I'm sure it was just so delicious growing up. <laughs> so delicious, so delicious, too delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that sort of uh, brings us to our talk today. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your food journey and um, how it's brought you to where you are today. So um, are you comfortable sharing that on the show? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, I recently listened to one of your talks or workshops. And mm-hmm. um, I was so surprised with your journey as a teenager. So you slowly started eating healthier after you were in high school. So when you were, I think it was when you were 12 or 13, you were a little bit heavier and you started dieting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's interesting, you know, like as a child, um, and I know that this is happening earlier and earlier these days, but the, the body awareness wasn't, uh, you know, isn't top of mind, right. As a child, like as a child, we're like playing and having fun and we're in school and we're just like, so in the moment. Right. And, and as we grow, we start to obviously lose a little, well, lose a lot of that. Um, and, 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 you know, the innocence starts to fall away and we start to become aware of our bodies. And I remember the day that that happened to me, like I, and again, it's happening so much earlier these days, but for me, it was when I was 13, I stepped on a scale and I was like, well, that's a lot higher than all of the numbers I've been hearing about what a regular body weight is. And so it's that day that I realized, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble, you know, and then the snowball started to happen. And when would you say, so I know that now you're vegan. Mm-hmm. Did that happen later on in life? For sure. Yeah. I've been vegan for three years. 
Yeah. I mean, you're young at this point. Um, sorry, when you stepped on the scale and you saw your weight, you were younger. So what was your first step? Did you go to your mom and say, you know, we need to, I need your help with this? Or did you take it upon yourself? Yeah. So it, it was an interesting time for sure. I mean, you know, at 13 is when your hormones start to go crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're stepping into womanhood, but you're also still a kid in your brain. And so, you know, my next step was like all of these big things were happening, right? I was graduating um, from elementary school and moving on to high school. um, And I was, you know, starting to be really self-aware. And so the conversations that I was having with my mother around this were, um, you know, her telling me, you really need to lose some weight and me saying, yeah, I know. So like, how do I do this? Right. And, Mm -hmm. and at the time my mom was struggling with her weight too. So we started dieting together and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, she, was like in and out of Weight Watchers, I remember as a kid. And I started like looking up different diets to do. And, you know, when you're 13, anything looks good as long as it's going to give you the results. Right. And so I started like reading into fad diets and just trying all of these different things. And that, that, Start, that just led me down this path of what I like to call the shackles of the dieting culture, right? And so I know we're going to talk about that, but I, throughout high school, you know, I was in and out of dieting. I was seeing like someone here to help me, someone there to help me, like just really, um, focus, like my only focus was weight loss, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I remember one day vividly in high school, ending up in the nurse's office and, you know, she was like, well, what it like, cause I fainted. And she was like, well, what have you eaten all day? I said, uh, a V8 and a pear. Oh, wow. And that was literally my diet uh, for, for like a long time in high school, because I was so fixated on weight loss. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so at home, was your mom cooking Italian foods and Middle Eastern foods or it was, you know, she would have one thing and then she would serve the family another thing? No, um, you know, we ate what we ate. And and I have to admit, you know, like the, the eating habits weren't the best at home um, because of time. It's not necessarily the foods that we were eating, but my parents are also entrepreneurs. And, you know, coming from the, the mindset of um, work comes first and then everything else, right? Very mm-hmm. traditional. Um, old school business mentality. Um, we would often be eating late at night. And as a family, like we would often be eating closer to bedtime than I would like to admit. And it was not great in terms of um, like eating habits in general. So not necessarily the foods were bad, but more so just the whole mindset around the, the eating habits. Well, and I mean, as we know now, eating late at night is just, it's just sits, you know, in your, on your gut, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it, and it doesn't, um, you know, one of the things from a, from a nutrition standpoint is that it doesn't give our body the time. Like we, we actually need longer breaks between meals when we're sleeping. Right. And, and it actually affects everything else when we eat so late. It affects our sleep. Yeah. Like I've heard from so many people, oh my gosh, I ate so late last night and I was dreaming all night or, you know, I couldn't sleep. And, and that's a true thing. Like it, we have to really pay attention to stuff like that. And when would you say that you started, um, sort of moving away from diet culture and started, I've, 
I love your your method now, which is you know small sustainable changes and creating a really healthy baseline. So when would you say mm-hmm. that that sort of started? Yeah. So you know, unfortunately, I was a slave to the dieting world for a really really long time. Um, I am like I'm going to be 40 this year, and I would say that it was only around my mid 30s that I started to really step away from being defined by the number on the scale. Uh, and so for a long time, I, you know, weighed myself daily, uh, multiple times a day, you know, before going to the washroom, after going to the washroom, um, morning and night. And, and like, it was literally an obsession and it's only in the last five years that, um, and I would say that, you know, my career choice has, has had a lot to do with that, but it, it's only in the last five years that I've been able to step away from, oh gosh, right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. this doesn't define me like i'm i'm an actual human being needing to be healthy and well um and when when i was focusing on the weight loss i was so unhealthy and not well and so um that shift really started to happen when i started to dig deeper into okay well what do i need to do to be healthy versus mm-hmm. what do i need to do to lose weight Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love what you were saying during the talk about wanting to live to your 120. And <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, my great grandma lived until she was 105. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. But her diet was a little bit different than probably what you're eating. Um, but I love that what you said about you want to move your body and you're active because you want to have a healthy body until you're 120. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've stepped away from, again, like, you know, uh, and I remember like those days where I would go to the gym and just do cardio for a full hour, like just hop on the elliptical and like be on there for a full hour and just like try to sweat as much as possible. Because to me, that equated to weight loss. Right. And that was my only goal. My only goal. Almost like punishing your body in a in a sense. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Um, when I I had a little bit of a weight issue when I was around the same age, like 12, 13, but again, it was lifestyle. Um, I was homeschooled that year, so I wasn't being nearly as active. And I I was going through puberty. So my weight just, you know, I gained <laughs> lots of weight. And mm-hmm. when I went back to school, um, after having a year off, it was when I started losing it because I was being active and I was working out. So I early on noticed the difference between, okay, we move your body and you eat healthy, regular intervals. You're going to be healthy, move, be able to move your body and, and feel good in your skin. But when I was in my twenties, I started this workout class and it was, um, I'd say the average age was probably like late thirties. And what I loved the trainer used to say, he start and finish the class with, I work out because I love my body. And it's such an important thing to remember going into anytime you're active with your body. You're not trying to punish your body. You know, you want to keep your body limber and moving and you feel better that way. So I think that that's an important message. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I think something that we fail to realize is that there's so much more that being active and moving our bodies and working out actually does for our body rather than just looking at Oh, okay. Well, my butt's looking tighter and, you know, my, my legs are looking more shapely rather than that. Like we also need to realize, well, my bones need to work out, right? Mm -hmm. My, my joints need to be, be moving all the time. Um, my lungs, my heart, like there's so many aspects of the human body that benefit from physical activity that we, because we don't see them, 
we don't really focus on them, right? But working out can really help us prevent things like osteoporosis, right? And um, and and really help strengthen our lungs and our hearts so that we eliminate heart disease, right? So there's not eliminate, but sorry, um, prevent, right? So there's there's so many ways that we can, yeah, like infuse ourselves with good health by physical activity more than just having a tight butt. Although that's fun too, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) but it's more of a side effect as opposed to what should be the root, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Well, I want to talk a little bit of celebration food um, and you know, how maybe it's changed uh, over the course of your life. So as a kid, what would you say was your favorite celebration food? My favorite celebration food? Well, you know, when we had birthday parties or when we were celebrating anything, it would be like pizza and cake and ice cream. And, you know, um, dessert was actually a big thing growing up for our family. Like we had dessert more often than not. And, you know, when I met my, it was only when I met my husband that like, I would, you know, after dinner, I'd be like, okay, what are we having for dessert? And he'd be like, I don't, I can't comprehend how dessert is like such a normal thing for you. He's like, we would have dessert at like Thanksgiving, like there'd be pie or, you know, he's yeah. like, it's not, it, we wouldn't have it like multiple times a week. Like, it's just really interesting. So, um, so celebration food actually happened more often than not. And it was, it was definitely there as a like, uh, yeah, celebrate accomplishments, but also as a comfort. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so the two sort of went hand in hand, if that makes sense. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that especially now, uh, after, you know, we're about a year into the pandemic, just, I know from my own group of friends, there's a little bit of a cycle going on where you say, okay, you know, I'm down. So I want to have sugar. I want to have a treat. I want to have dessert. I want to have snacks. And then you snack, 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 and then you go to bed and then you wake up and you're also feeling down again because now you're feeling sluggish because you had too much sugar the night before, too many, you know, unhealthy complex carbs maybe. And then, so then you eat food again, again, again. (laughs) Yep. So, um, you know, sort of like what I've been trying to do in myself is normalize celebrating accomplishments and celebrating feeling good with good food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, a delicious bowl of berries is is dessert, is your treat, you know, as opposed to a huge bag of cookies. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I think, I think people have different attachments to tastes. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like growing up for me, like it was like, oh, I need something sweet because I need to feel better. Like that sweetness is just going to make me feel so comfortable and and like so much dough and like, like that's what I need. Right. And Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. Like it's, you know, someone actually said, I told this story the other day and, and one of my clients was like, thank you for saying that because I just, I took you off your pedestal a little bit, <laughs> like her, like her, her, um, her thinking that I was on this pedestal because I'm like this health nut. Right. And, and so I, you know, I mentioned how, um, my husband and I had had a deep conversation with someone and I was really feeling the need to just comfort myself, you know? And I said, let's take a walk. And then we took a walk and, and we stopped and we got cinnamon buns and, and I like ate, an entire cinnamon bun. And, and, you know, those are big. Right. Um, and, and afterwards I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that I ate that entire cinnamon, but, but I didn't feel guilty. I was just like, whatever. I ate a cinnamon bun. Like when was the last time I did that? And then the next morning I was completely hungover. I had like the biggest sugar hangover. And so I mentioned this story to, to my client. She was like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for saying that because like, that's normal. And I was like, I know like this is normal stuff 
that we do and it's okay. Um, but what's not okay is making that a habit, right? Like I don't do that on a weekly basis or a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also I'm recognizing why I needed that in the moment um, to feel better. And and in actual fact, when I'm being completely self-aware, it didn't even make me feel better, right? It actually made me feel worse the next day. So I know I trailed off a little bit with that, but I think we attach certain tastes to um, certain feelings, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've done that all our... Like so many of us have done that all of our lives. So Well, and especially I think as kids, um, I started noticing when I had kids that after, you know, a tough day or a really great day with my son, my toddler, I'd say, okay, do you want to get a happy meal? And that's definitely <laughs> what my parents did with me. Like after, you know, a really good ballet recital, we'd have a happy meal. After a tough day at school, maybe, you know, I fell in the playground. Okay, let's have a happy meal. <laughs> Mm, so, you yeah. know, it was um, not a reward, but there was definitely, okay, I don't feel great or I feel amazing. Let's celebrate with food. And it's such a hard sort of habit and chain to break because even as adults, we still do that. You know, you have a great week at work and you say, okay, I'm going to have a, we're going to go out for dinner. We're going to have a big dinner and a big dessert at the restaurant. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it's how do you how do you start to pick and choose? Okay, I'm going to do this because you know it's fun and I like marking the occasion. Versus what's really going to make me feel really great and amplify my good my good feeling is doing an awesome yoga class with my girlfriends or something. Yeah, and and also knowing that it's okay to indulge. Um, mm-hmm. in, in certain foods, but also like being mindful as we indulge, right? So mm-hmm. like I I I bet you that, you know, if we were more mindful when we're actually ingesting celebration foods, you know, as we're calling them, that we wouldn't be like, we wouldn't be scoffing it down, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or we, we wouldn't need to eat that whole piece of cake on that mm-hmm. plate, right? We, because we wouldn't really want to. Um, I know that, you know, in the moments where I really tap into that mindful eating, um, I don't want that entire thing. I actually just want a few, a few bites to really savor the taste and really like, you know, think about the person that made this and like, oh my gosh, like they put these flavors together perfectly and like, you know, just have that experience versus I deserve all of this and I'm going to, you know, eat every single morsel because I did a good job or because that was a really hard conversation or because I feel uncomfortable and I need to be comforted. Right. Mm -hmm. So looking at it from a different perspective. Totally. And I love, I love that idea of you just be really mindful when you're indulging and when you're eating, because I think think so many, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you must love food. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now as we sort of transition into a more, um, a more awareness towards the foods, we want to indulge and um, enjoy the flavors, maybe from when we were kids or start to cook those for some of our favorite meals ourselves. But it's this dance between wanting to celebrate that food, wanting to eat it, and maybe being on a little bit of a different journey with your food. Like I had one um, past guest she's European and now she doesn't eat anything with gluten and it's Mm. balancing, you know, those really her favorite flavors from her childhood and her mother's cooking with how does she now incorporate it in a gluten-free way? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And luckily there's so many options out there, you know, that it Mm kind of makes it a lot easier to, uh, to translate those amazing European dishes into more modern day, uh, (laughs) health focused eating. Mm -hmm. Well, now, I mean, when you know better, you do better. 
So exactly. um, how do we, you know, celebrate in similar flavor profiles, but in a more um, updated way? Mm-hmm, exactly. Is there a favorite um, dish from when you were a kid that now you celebrate in a little bit of a different way now that you're vegan? Yeah, for sure. So I mean, and I'm also gluten-free. So um, the day that I knew I won with this was <laughs> the day that I made uh, a gluten-free and vegan lasagna. Mm. And I was like, and lasagna was big in our in our house. And it was one of those celebration foods. Like, you know, and, and I'm not sure, like, you know, if you've ever been to an Italian household over Christmas, like, you know, there's, uh, there's usually a pasta dish before they get to the meat and potatoes. Right. And so, um, so, so that pasta like is usually something that takes a little bit longer to prepare like a lasagna or a cannelloni or, um, you know, shells or something. And, uh, I just remember loving that lasagna every single time. And so that, that day that I made that gluten-free vegan lasagna and my husband was impressed, I was like, okay, I'm on to something here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, I've been lucky enough to spend a few Christmases in an Italian household um, over the holidays and yeah, there's nothing like all of all of the lasagna. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> My personal favorite is definitely Good Friday, the seafood, seafood pasta. Mm, so good. Right. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk more about um, moderation. So I know that you sort of say that you live by a little bit, well, try to have like an 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. What would you say is like your 20, like your favorite? Okay, I look forward to this and I'm going to, you know, really sit down and enjoy this when I have it. Um, I would say, you know, like wine is definitely something that I love to have. Um, Good wines and uh, coffee is definitely something that I, you know, enjoy. And it's like culturally, both of those things are kind of like staples, right? In the Mm -hmm. the European household. Um, so, So I would say that those two things, yeah, like sweets and things like that. We just don't really have them in the house. Um, so it's not much, there's not much, you know, that we have to do there. Um, but I would say like those two things are kind of like where I go if I do want a treat or I do want to just unwind a little bit, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing like a glass of wine in the bath kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. Um, but you know, 80, 20, my eating is pretty much, um, you know, it's interesting because when I think about it, it's actually quite boring. Like, you know, uh, like I'm vegan and gluten-free and I, I, although I try to mix it up like on weekends and things like that and make some like great dishes, generally, you know, it's pretty standard stuff because I just, I know that I'm eating for fuel and for health. And, um, and so I kind of just, it's easy to, to have that 80% be, um, in, in sort of promotion of good health versus not right. When you've adopted these habits. And what would you say? So you've been vegan and on this healthy lifestyle for the last few years, what would you say was the biggest, um, turning point for you? Um, well, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I kind of, so through high school and, and university, um, I, didn't eat red meat at all. So I was down to like chicken and seafood and vegetables. Uh, and then one day I just got really tired of chicken. Like I was like, if I eat one more piece of chicken, I'm going to lose my mind. Mm-hmm. Cause that's all like, that was the alternative, right? Like fish mm-hmm. sometimes, but mostly chicken. And, and then I started to 
well, it's interesting. Then we got Netflix. <laughs> and then uh, I started to watch a lot of documentaries. And at the same time, um, was really diving into the program that I now uh, share and, and you know, involve other people in, um, which is, it's a 30-day program that I run. And I did that myself for the first time full out. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, started to really see change in my body that I had never seen before. And it, again, it had nothing to do with being a certain size, but like energy and sleep and, you know, feeling like less lethargic during the day. And my skin was starting to clear up. And I realized that like, I actually don't need animal products to like, actually they're hindering my health in some ways um, versus contributing to it. So I just decided to experiment and I cut out everything animal product, dairy, gluten, or sorry, dairy, uh, eggs and meats. And um, within, in a few weeks, I started to notice huge change in my body and in my energy. And that was sort of like the turning point, right? So it was like starting to educate myself, empower myself with knowledge of what's actually going on in the world when it comes to, um, you know, the foods that we eat and then, and then also experimenting at the same time. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, it's when we actually put things into our physiology and, and, and actually start to understand it from a physical point of view that we start to make change. Right. So mm-hmm. that, that became an easy transition for me. Uh, you've said before that you believe in small, sustained action over the course of a reasonable amount of time, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, as opposed to just, you know, quick fixes. Um, mm-hmm. in your, and I want to talk more about your 30 day program. Do you have like an ease into the 30 days? Do you have an ease out or is it all incorporated into the 30 days? What we say on the 30 day program, uh, is always, it's always about doing your very best, right? So someone who is, for example, um, already gluten-free, but, and, and by all means, it's not, it doesn't have to be hundred percent vegan, this program. I always recommend and encourage people to try the vegan way. Um, but there's also, you know, other options available. The biggest piece of it is try your very best. So someone who is already gluten-free, but maybe, um, they still have, dairy into their diet or they're like, I just can't give up cheese or, you know, whatever the case may be in, in terms of that, it, it might be a little bit easier for them versus someone who, you know, has never, has never thought about taking any of these inflammatory things out of their diet and they're, you know, they're drinking five, six cups of coffee a day and having wine every night. And, you know, so there's, there's differing, um, levels that which people come in. And I always say like one small habit change is better than none. Right. So even if you do this for 30 days without six cups of coffee, right. Or, and you just maybe have one or, or half. Um, and maybe if you just like go dry for the month and not have any alcohol, like there's, that's going to make a change to that right there. Right. And so, um, but yeah, then there are people that are like, no, no, I want it full out. I, I, you know, I'm cutting out everything that is inflammatory and addictive and acidic. And I really want to feel the difference in my body. So I always, um, uh, meet people where they're at in terms of that. Does that make sense? Totally, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of all or nothing. <laughs> so yeah. I do um, two cleanses a year. I try and do one. I did one a couple of weeks ago and then I try and do one sort of when the right after Thanksgiving <laughs> when I've been overindulging usually in the fall and lots of hearty foods. Um, and I like to do when I was younger, I could do the three days, no booze, no alcohol, just juice. And I, you know, I'd bounce back and have a great time during it. But as I've gotten older and my body has become more dependent on um, caffeine and 
animal products and different things like that, I definitely have to do an ease in. So I now I try and do a week to a week and a half of ease in because if I don't, those three days of just juices are brutal and I have migraines and I'm exhausted. But if I give myself that sort of grace and, you know, slowly easing out of different things over the course of the week, those three days where I'm, it's essentially just plant-based juices, um, maybe, you know, the odd herbal tea. I feel so clear-headed. I feel like I'm, my body's working at its peak performance. Um, and I think that people don't realize that when they think of a cleanse, you know, they think of the, you know, lying on the couch with the shades drawn because you're going to be so exhausted, but that's not really the case at all. Because when you're feeding your body for fuel, um, you are surprised. It's surprising how, how much energy you have. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, typically when people do um, come into the 30 day program, I do see it's pretty typical that they have like, you know, one to three days of a withdrawal, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, of that headachey kind of, um, it's kind of like a lingering headache that's there. And um, yeah. And I mean, that's totally normal, right? Because your body is all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, but where's my, where's my donut? And where's my, you know, where's my six cups of coffee? And and so that's so, so normal. Um, It's, you know, also it's very similar to what a hangover feels like, to be honest with you. Totally. Um, Yeah. And so it, but it's all good because the the more that we do it, and that's why I say adopting that eighty twenty is so key. Because after people feel like so good after that thirty days, right? They get through the garbagey feeling of those one to th- three first days, and then they get into feeling good and they're understanding like how their body works and what it doesn't want and what it what it wants more of. Um, you know, they really never go back to that exact way of eating and living before, right? There's mm-hmm. always some sort of change and. So that 80-20 starts to happen organically. It really starts to happen very naturally for people. Well, and I know that you, um, I mean, I definitely think this way that sugar is a drug. (laughs) It's addictive. People don't realize. Same thing with caffeine. I read this article a few years ago that if caffeine had been released sort of or introduced to the public in the last 20 years, it would have been, you know, a regulated drug. But because Mm -hmm. we've been part of our culture for, you know, millennia, thousands of years, um, it's, it isn't, <laughs> but it is yeah. a drug. People don't realize. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, many, so many things that we consume, there's caffeine, which is crazy. Yeah. And, and also um, the source of caffeine is really important to look at as well. Right. So caffeine on its own for sure. And then what's the source. So if, if we're getting caffeine from coffee, it's like, it's like a one, two punch, right? Because that the coffee is acidic. Um, the caffeine is sending us into overdrive and then like giving us these like, energy slumps as well. Right. And so there's, there's a lot to know in terms of like the caffeine itself and then the source of the caffeine. Right. And again, when we know better, we do better. So Mm -hmm. I always say like, if you're going to make changes in your health, do it from an educated place because you can't, there's stuff that you just can't unlearn. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then once you learn it, you're like, Oh no, I don't want to do that to my body. Like this is the only one I have. Right. I want to live to be 120. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And is there any, um, maybe document, Entries or something that you could recommend for someone just starting to, you know, peek behind the curtain <laughs> of maybe yeah. a different lifestyle, something that you would want to recommend to them? So there's a few. I mean, there's uh, Forks Over Knives, which is a great one. Um, there's also The Game Changers is a really, really 
interesting documentary. Um, it is, it is, you know, in promotion of the plant-based lifestyle, but it really looks at so many different aspects. Uh, and it, it talks about how, you know, some of the strongest people in the world um, are fueled by plants and plants alone, you know? And so that is a big one that I recommend to everybody who's considering, um, yeah, just cutting out animal product and, and wanting to live a more plant-based lifestyle. That's a great one. Oh, amazing. I thought this was interesting. I learned this a couple of years ago. I was at the museum with my son and we were looking at all the different dinosaur bones. And I think they're called Dosen was saying how the largest dinosaurs were plant-based. And mm-hmm. I thought that, that was so interesting because, you know, sometimes we think, um, and I think maybe it's a little bit of an outdated thought that the strongest and the fiercest and the biggest um, are meat eaters which isn't necessarily yeah. the case. I mean, whales don't, don't eat meat um, and they're the biggest mammals on earth. So yeah. it doesn't mean that you need to eat meat to be strong at all. No, no, right? Like gorillas, think mm-hmm. of gorillas, mm-hmm. <laughs> pandas, right? Like these are huge beings that yeah are, are all herbivores. So there's, uh, yeah, there's some great evidence in that documentary. I highly recommend it. Amazing, I'll definitely check that out. Um, so do you wanna maybe talk a little bit more about the 30-day program and maybe how people can start to get ready maybe to do that with you? Sure, so yeah, so the 30-day program, um, we actually launch a new group every Monday. Um, and, you know, Monday is just a great day to start things. Uh, so that is our day. Um, and what one can expect. So so we focus on a few key areas. We focus on, first of all, um, whole foods eating, right? So really looking at our diets and saying, okay, well, where am I eating packaged and processed stuff? Because 70% of the Western diet is made up of dead processed foods, unfortunately, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see that when you walk into our grocery stores, like where you know, like just the ratio of packaged stuff, stuff in boxes and cans and whatever versus actual whole foods, right? And so so we focus on whole foods eating. Um, We focus on helping those blood sugars really stabilize. Um, We focus on adding nutrition, more nutrition to our diet um, through, you know, whole food supplementation. And that is so key. I can't stress enough how, you know, tomatoes today or anything today is not grown the way that it was grown. 20 years ago, right? So there are arguments out there about like, well, I don't do supplements. I just eat whole foods. And I'm like, great. But unless you're getting that food from a farm who has the richest soil and zero pesticides, and you know, it's very rare these days to find food like that, um, we're not getting the nutrition that we need, right? And we're all moving in this fast paced world where like microwaves zap all the nutrients out of our food. And um, and so we, we focus on supplementation and then we focus on eliminating those allergenic and addictive and acidic foods for 30 days only. And and the reason why we do that is because most of the time our bodies need a break from those things in order for it to start to function optimally again, right? So we really want to focus on, again, and this isn't for weight loss, this is really to help our body start to eliminate properly, to start to function properly, um, and, and to start becoming a more alkaline 
into a more alkaline state because when we have an alkaline state within, we actually can fight disease much more quickly, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Cancers and things like that don't actually survive in an alkaline state. And so we really want to focus on bringing our bodies to an alkaline state. And so we eliminate a few things um, for 30 days so that we can do that. And we give our bodies a break uh, and then we add in that nutrition. Uh, And so so that's sort of the goal of the plan, um, but it's all whole foods based. Everything that we have on the plan can be can be found in a grocery store um, and then the supplementation we provide so it becomes very easy and yeah and and it's it's a journey it's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah what would you say is like a typical day um in your food journey so what you would you when you wake up what do you eat your lunch your dinner I'd love to know for sure um so I wake up I normally um have water I have some tea I do occasionally drink coffee um when I'm on the 30-day plan fully I do not have coffee at all. So I, I do um, when I am not on the plan and and then I'll have, I'll usually work out um, and then I'll have a smoothie. So a plant-based smoothie with lots of fruit, um, some healthy fats in there, um, some vegan protein powder and some other like some greens and things like that. Uh, and then I will have lunch. So I'll usually have a whole foods lunch, which is more often than not leftovers from the night before. We're big on meal prep in this house. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if my oven's going on, it's going to be full. And so uh, usually lunch is leftovers. Um, and then, yeah, dinner again is a, is a whole foods dinner. And then I definitely snack in between, right? Because snacking is can be so healthy for us and we want to keep our metabolisms going all day long. Um, and so I do snack, but it's, it's things like, you know, apples and nut butter or some dried figs or um, almonds or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then I usually try to cut off eating um, at around 7, 7.30 and then, you know, start again the next day. So yeah, it's pretty simple, but um, lots of things like brown rice and quinoa um, as a base and then lots and lots of veggies uh, and protein types like tofu and lentils and beans uh, and things like that. Mm-hmm. That sounds so good. I'm really <laughs> getting, I'm really trying to break my ch- kids of um, early on the pandemic. It just seemed easier to get, you know, bags of goldfish and granola bars and all of that. But <laughs> we, um, my son had never really snacked much before then, you know, after the park um, and he'd been running around and then it was like a treat to have, you know, an apple in the, in the stroller with a big bag of, um, of dried cranberries or whatever like that. But early on the pandemic, I will admit, you know, it was convenience and ease. So now I'm slowly trying to move my kids away from that. <laughs> so we yeah. always have mixed nuts or dried fruit or my daughter is so into the dried apples right now. I think she thinks they're like marshmallows or something. She's so in love with them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, Costco is, I'm sure you, I'm sure you love Costco then um, because Costco is so great for all that kind of stuff too, right? Like you can get big bags of dried fruit that, and then make, make your own little mixes, right? Um, mm-hmm. And big bags of dried nuts and things like that. Yeah. It makes, it's just such a big difference. Um, yeah. You know, and then they're not crashing because they're not having this huge carb influx, uh, complex carbs. And then all of a sudden they're grumpy and tired and need more snacks to get them through till dinner. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, it's a good for everybody in the household for sure. For sure. Yeah. Love it. Um, and so 
how can people get at you? What is the best way to follow you or learn more about you? For sure. So, um, so if they are Instagrammers, they can find me at happy underscore healthy underscore net. Um, if you would like to go to my website uh, to see all the things that I do, it's hhwglobal.com. So HHW stands for happy, healthy women, uh, hhwglobal.com. And yeah, find me on Facebook. Um, and yeah, we will chat. I mean, I'm, I'm always happy to have even just a conversation with people that are either looking to um, just get healthier in general, or if they're looking to fully transition to a plant-based diet, I love helping people through that. So uh, definitely just reach out and, and let's connect. And I wanted to mention, I am part of the Happy Healthy Women's um, Network and I just, I've, I've been loving it. And anyone that's, you know, considering joining, I highly recommend. I've gotten so much value from the vault. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I love I'm it. So glad. Mm-hmm. I love going back and watching all the, all the videos and all the different uh, talks. It's fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad. That makes me so happy to hear. Yeah. It's such an amazing resource. Okay. So I wanted to wrap up with some just little fun, silly questions. <laughs> if you're sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. So water or land? Land. Apple or pineapple? Pineapple. What is your favorite drink? Wine. Imagine. You're, okay, I mean, me too. Same. <laughs> um, imagine you're in a cafe anywhere in the world. And maybe you hear uh, glasses clinking and people chatting, maybe some music. Which city are you in? France. Paris. Sorry. (laughs) France is not a city. Country. (laughs) Yeah. And are you inside or outside? Inside. And what are you drinking? Champagne. And are you eating something? Yes. Olives. Mm, And who are you with? My husband. Wonderful. I always find it surprised so many people say Paris. And when I first came up these questions, I also thought Paris. <laughs> really? Yeah, wow, I that's did. So interesting. Yeah. Um, if you were to pick a food to describe your personality, what would it be? Cherries. Hmm. <laughs> I Almost. don't know why. I just, it just popped in my head. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, a good bag of cherries is the best on a hot summer day. For sure. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for joining me today. It was such a pleasure. Thank you, Billy. I love that you asked and I really have enjoyed this conversation. So thanks for asking me to come on. Amazing. Thank you for all the recommendations. And I hope even if we reach you know, one listener who's sort of starting to walk onto this journey or changing their food journey and their food story, that this has helped to inspire them. Totally. A hundred percent. Thank you so much. Thank you. 